is anyone hard of hearing or would like to have the sound system on when our speaker today presents his remarks? Is that okay? All right, so we'll just keep the microphone off unless there's anyone who would like to have it on. And I think we can more or less get started. So good afternoon, my name is Kevin Dunn. I may have met more than one of you in this room before, but for those of you who are new, I am the Public Outreach <coughs> Coordinator for Institute of World Politics, and we are a Graduate School of National Security and International Affairs. We are dedicated to developing leaders with a sound understanding of international realities, excuse me, and the ethical conduct of statecraft, based on knowledge and appreciation of the founding principles of the United States. Today's lecture is in part sponsored by the Kosciuszko Chair for Polish Studies, which is housed in our building just upstairs at IWP. And I just want to say for the record that this will in fact be an on-the-record event. As you can see, we will be recording. So feel free to uh, ask any questions. We just ask that when you do, you can just state your first and last name and your professional affiliation in the interest of being collegial. That would be much appreciated. So this lecture was titled by our speaker today, Civil Society at the Crossroads, Three Models in the Case of Poland. And onto the speaker himself. His name is Dr. Marcin Chaimelowski. I very sincerely hope I pronounced that very good. somewhat correctly. <laughs> uh, he is the vice president of the Poland-based Freedom and Entrepreneurship Foundation. I'm not going to be able to read the Polish to you. I apologize sincerely. He holds a PhD in political philosophy and an MA in political science. And he has a postgraduate diploma in central banking. He's also the author of uh, a book and many papers concentrating on the theory and practice of libertarianism, as is understood in the Polish context, or would that be in the West? In the Both. West? Both. Okay. Both, definitely. Experienced, uh, he's also experienced um, in managing uh, third sector institutions, as, as they are referred to, and uh, he is a liberty-oriented columnist, commentator, and screenwriter. Without further ado, let us please welcome today's speaker to the floor. Thank you, sir, for attending. Thank you. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and thank you, Kevin, for introducing me. The uh, next thing that I would like to say is that I'm also really glad that, well, I'm, I'm standing here. Uh, this is something really big for me. Um, actually, this is the uh, second lecture in USA that I'm giving now, that I'm starting now. I've already gave, I think, that more than 100 of them in my country, in Poland, mostly in Polish, of course. Uh, so uh, please excuse all my uh, English mistakes. Uh, this is just my second language, not the first one. Uh, I started to learn it quite, as a quite old teenager. So, well, at least the plus is that um, some of the mistakes can be a little bit funny, so you won't get bored. Uh, the topic is... Uh, <coughs> somehow connected to my country and that's why uh, probably that's why I was invited to, to speak to you uh, because I know that you are quite interested in, in Polish studies so here you are well a guy from Poland who will tell you some some his of remarks about how what he believes uh, going on now in Polish civic society and uh, how it is connected to the thing that I am most interested in so uh, ideas and political philosophy uh, for most of the time I'm working somewhere between uh, very, very um, sophisticated way of ways of thinking and the ways of implementation of that 
that ideas. This is, for me, this is the most important thing that philosophers can do, and especially if they are interested in philosophy of politics, which is totally uh, practical. This is one of the most practical implementation philosophy that we can get, maybe close to ethics. Uh, so this is why I, I would like to um, I would like to give at the beginning some remarks about philosophics, sorry, philosophical approaches about um, civic society, and then I will tell you how it works in Poland and what's going on from that. So it that my my lecture going to have well two main parts, and probably you know this book. <coughs> Here I'm presenting in in. Polish translation. This is Richard Weaver. Idee mają konsekwencje in Polish, so ideas have consequences, right? Uh, and we all know of that. Um, you as Americans, I think you are far more uh, interested in ideas, which is quite obvious because your country were um, constructed on ideas. Your history is a bit shorter than countries in, in my part of the world. Well, maybe not all of them because, well, let's say we have Latvia. Or, um, or Bosnia, they don't have very, very long history, especially Latvia. Uh, but still, uh, you understand that uh, if we have any kind of well, practical things, right? Uh, so they all start from ideas. Uh, for most of the time in Poland and in, in Europe especially, uh, people can't understand that when we have a division of labor, the first guy who works on a product that came to your shelves uh, is a philosopher. And because of the fact uh, of implementation, better or worse philosophy, we are going to have better and worse practical life. That's all. And the uh, ideas have consequences, so that's why I would like to talk to you at the beginning about, um, well, this is terminology, so this is well quite important for me, but also about um, the, the ways of thinking about civic society and uh, the outcome that came from that, that ways of thinking. So this is the terminology. I needed to give this slide here because I think that, well, we, we at least we should know what we are talking about. And there is, like always in social sciences or in philosophy, because philosophy isn't a science, in my opinion, philosophy is a philosophy, uh, but there are always some differences between um, different approaches. And uh, even in economics, which is quite mathematized, uh, you can uh, understand even so basic ideas like inflation in at least two ways. So what, uh, what, so especially in political sciences or in political philosophy, you are going to have um, even more differences. So this is the 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 the, the, the most important things that, that we like to to tell at, at the beginning. So the civil society and the definition, I, I just took it from Wikipedia, I will be honest with you, but I've done it uh, uh, specially uh, because of the fact that it's, when it's in Wikipedia, it's probably the most common, right? So we, we all know it. And even if Wikipedia isn't a real encyclopedia, but it's more like folks encyclopedia, the people who are interested in writing, uh, let's say the, 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 the homework uh, for next day's class, uh, we'll use that kind of definition. So that's why I've used it also. So uh, civic society is aggregate of non-governmental organization and institution that manifests interest and will of citizens. And it came from dictionary.com. Uh, so this is a civil society. And well, I can say that for my lecture, that definition is quite okay. So I don't need to, to, to make it more complicated. I, I just don't need it now. Of, of course, in Poland, we are using from time to time word third sector. Uh, 
idea is like that. We have government and business and non-profit. Here you call it non-profit. In Poland, non-profit would be more like charities. And that's why NGOs is something that you have, non-governmental organizations. And in Poland, we also call them NGOs, which is Polonized version of word NGOs, of acronym NGO. Uh, so that's why I'm talking, and when I will be talking about third sector, it came from the fact that my cultural background came from Poland. So in Poland, we call it third sector. To show that the, we are not from government, so we, we, want, we don't want to have a very big mess with government, actually, too, and for most of the time, we're not from business. The fact is that this is just a model. Uh, it is impossible to work or cooperate only with other NGOs. And um, even in my foundation, uh, there is some kind of um, working between, because about 30% of our income comes from sale. We are selling our stuff, we are selling ideas, and we are quite good on that. And uh, of course, I will be using our social capital also, and I think that you know these, these three uh, very distinguished uh, scientists, like uh, Putnam, Fukuyama, and Barber, uh, all three of them have um, wrote a great pieces about what so civic society is, what means to have social capital, and uh, Benjamin Barber even was able to show that states can aggregate and accumulate different kinds of social capital than cities, which is quite uh, quite good idea, and I think that it works somehow. Uh, I, actually, I was very inspired by, uh, by Putnam's book Bowling Alone. I think that this is one of the best books that I've ever read, and it really works. Uh, it was uh, written in USA for American audience, uh, but thanks to the fact that Putnam before that worked in Italy and he was interested how civic society works in northern and, uh, and, and, and southern part of Italy and what, what's the difference and what's the, what's the outreach of that difference, it somehow works also in Europe. And when I will be talking about Polish uh, pro-liberty sector, I will show you how Robert Putnam uh, many years before we started our job uh, told us uh, where will be the problems, because it really works like that. So, yeah, I will be using term social capital too, but for most of the time, uh, it will be Putnam's way of thinking about that. Well, the main, I'm sure that you're, you're aware about the differences between Putnam's ideas and Fukuyama's ideas. One is uh, that capital came, social capital came from, um, from network, and the second is that it came from a pool, something like that. But I'm more for the, for the idea about network. And now the deeper approach, because that, uh, that, that thinkers of political scientists or social scientists that I've already told you, um, in my opinion, are very, very smart guys. But there is, uh, well, something more, something behind them. And here I'm giving you a, um, a book that is written probably only in Polish, unfortunately for you, sorry. Uh, Darius Gavin, one of our still living uh, best philosophers that we do have, and he uh, he's saying, okay, that uh, well we when we have uh, some different theoretical approaches, they are just theoretical, but there's something behind them. This is philosophical approach. So he um, gives us an idea that probably, at least in his opinion, and at least in Poland, we have three different backgrounds that are polo not political. Um, and not scientifical in any case, but they are philosophical. So they were provided to us by 
well, probably already uh, dead philosophers, or at least intellectuals, because in one, in one case there will be more intellectuals than philosophers. And uh, I think that two of them are quite known for you. This is classical liberal and Hegelian. And the one is uh, probably not known to you. So this is Central European dissidence model. Unfortunately, there, is, th there isn't only one word for that. So I needed to use uh, all four of them. And the, uh, the two of them are the dominating. Well, classical liberal, of course, and Hegelian. These are, well, let's say, stronger models, bigger models. And Central European dissidence model today, it's not very popular in my part of Europe. And uh, it was created because of the, of, of, of the times, right? So uh, the guys who was working on that model and tried to implement it somehow uh, um, were working during the times of well, Soviet regime and Soviet dominancy in our part of Europe. Uh, so well, after, um, after that, so when this uh, stressing attractor came out, uh, that model wasn't so important, but it still can be a kind of uh, 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 an attractive implementation, at least for a, for, for a lecture, maybe not for implementation uh, in, a, in a real life. So this is a classical liberal model, one of the two dominants, and it's, if you are know uh, American history, and you all know, of course, probably better than I am, uh, you will find it very, as very known to you, already known to you. So civil society in that model uh, is opposition for a government. So there is no cooperation between state, sorry, government and civil society. Uh, of course, we need, in, in that model, this is one of the axioms, we need state, um, because just like John Locke said, it is possible to have society without the state, but the number of problems that came from the fact that people will be fighting for scarce resources will be so big from time to time that we need something like a judge that won't be one of the, uh, that won't be a member of a society, he will be a judge from, from Aldav. Okay, fine, so, uh, but um, the, 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 the judge can well, can do nasty things, and we know about that, right? Uh, so. Some intellectuals who are aware of nature of government will be natural readers and will try to, well, I've used the word tame the Leviathan. So uh, if we have a cage for a state, they will be taming that, that state to, to, to stay in that cage. And that will be their role. How to do it? Well, they cannot do it alone. They need a society and an organized one to do that in a proper way. And they know that state can take out our freedoms and that's why they believe that uh, they need to be the guys who are taming the Leviathan. So this is the first model. Um, it came from 17th century philosophy and was uh, implemented in 18th century, in USA of course. But I think that the main root is John Locke here. Uh, so this is, this is my opinion about this model. And uh, if you will see, well, on next slides, you will see that many Polish libertarians like me, uh, even if they are uncaps, because this is, of course, next differences between, well, minarchists and an anarcho-capitalists, but it doesn't matter, at least now, because we know that uh, these ideas are just smart utopias. Right? That's all. 
but for most of the time, even in Poland, if someone will be describing himself as a libertarian uh, during his um, positive actions um, on the ground, he will be using that model, even if he is not aware of that. He will be using this model uh, because probably the only thing that we can do now is to try to tame the Leviathan. We are unable, maybe now, maybe never, we'll be unable just to, well, to live without the state. So uh, this is, uh, this is from, th that's all from the, from the slide. And next one is Hegelian. If you've seen, and uh, I know that that, uh, that movie was quite popular, even in Poland, uh, the movie is called Zootopia. And this is an uh, animation, right? This is an animated movie. And this is one of the best movies about uh, social contracts, in my opinion. And Judy Hobbs, I think that this is not a coincidence that, she's na that she, her last name is Hobbs, right? Uh, we know a uh, very, very, very good known theorist of social contract that had almost the same last name. And uh, in Hegelian model, you have the same. Without state, uh, there will be war between all of the people for all of the time. So in the, 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 the backbone of Hegelian way of thinking about civic society isn't, isn't Hegelian, actually. It's, uh, it's Hobbesian. And uh, we, need, uh, uh, we need a state just to um, not to have a war between all the people all for, the, for all of the time. And there will be no society without the formal rulers. This is what, uh, what Hegel actually believed. So this is the next difference between this model and the classical liberal models. And uh, of course, like in Hegel, we have uh, thesis, antithesis, and, 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 and then he, he makes some synthesis of that. So he finds government uh, as a public, well, public way of, um, sorry, but so now I'm, now I'm like some words from English. Uh, he founds government of, uh, a public emanation of human action, that will be better, especially for a libertarian, you always will remember the human action was. Uh, family as a kind of private, uh, so civic society is something between uh, that can give an ability to a government to communicate with families, so with private living, and it works also for the, uh, from the next side. So uh, private people will be able to communicate with the state thanks to the use of civil society. So there is no competition here. Civil society is uh, just a part of bigger structure uh, that should be useful. And uh, if it isn't useful, the law should be changed to make it more. That's all. So the, the model is more about cooperating with Leviathan. So we have a Leviathan and then we don't have a tamer here. There is a guy who tries to negotiate with him. So that's the difference. There is no opposition here. And the third one, that uh, for most of the time, at least f uh, thanks, to, um, thanks to Professor Gavin, uh, is called, uh, this model is called Central European Dissidence Model. And it, this is something like trying to live beside Leviathan. So we have state, well, because of the fact that living in, let's say, People's Republic of Poland or People's, Repu or People's Republic of Czech Czechoslovakia, uh, wasn't very uh, wasn't the best idea that you can have, and many people tried to well uh, figure out how to change it for a better. And also, they knew that uh, the whole government is just a one big concrete. It's impossible to change these people. They're even other real communists, right? And they are just interested in having power, 
and the whole uh, system is based on a lie. This is one of the most important things if we are talking about this model. This is a lie. Well, Marxism is a lie. Real socialism is a lie. All that structure is just a lie. So what we can do with that? So we can try to make any kind of structures, but not in cooperation with state, and not with the fight for with us with a state, because well, we are at least now not so strong enough. Uh, but we can make a uh, sphere or a structure where our natural bonds can be rebuilt. And this is that kind of model, the third one. And it was very specific because of the, um, because of the time and because of the space. Uh, probably it would be never um, came along um, if the history would be a little bit different for us. But because it was like it was, some people tried to understand what they can do to make it at least a little bit better. And uh, if you know, and I'm sure that you know, um, former uh, Czech Republic president Václav Havel, he was, I think, one of the most important people, uh, sorry, intellectualists, who was working on that kind of model. And uh, in Poland, we also had many intellectuals, some of them are still living, uh, who were very interested in thinking about this, this way of model. So it, it's, it's, it's not only Czechian, it's not only Polish. Uh, many people from different countries were engaged in that kind of debate that we had during 60s, 70s and 80s. And one more thing that is, in my opinion, very important here is we never had, at least in Poland, uh, we never had a real 68-year revolution. It, it wasn't with us. Uh, but uh, because of the strong impact of Herbert Marcuse and his school of thinking, some elements of, uh, of that revolution came along to Poland too. So in that kind of, of thinking that they had in Western Europe in that days, capitalism was something bad. Why? Because it, it do have some alienating potential, like, like in Marx's ideas. So uh, I, I, I need to stress it out because that model wasn't built by libertarians or classical liberals or anyone like that. Most of these people were socialists, but they wanted to have a socialism with human face. And some of them uh, were Christian Democrats, some of them were conservatives, but probably the liberals would be the smallest part of the movement. And uh, they were really afraid that, hey, well, if we are going to become one day, maybe, maybe, uh, if we are going to become one day a country like in Western Europe, then the problem for us won't be Soviet tanks, but it will be capitalism. Why? Because it will alienate us. And we won't be a society anymore. We will be just uh, an atoms, right? Well, uh, as a libertarian, I am, of course, not very into that kind of thinking, but I need to say that their idea was like that. So that was Western alienation, but the next very risky alienating potential in their opinion was based not in Paris or, or, or let's say, sorry, maybe Wall Street, but in, in Moscow, because of the fact that whole the system was based on a lie, that's the first thing, and second is, it wasn't be, uh, in that days, there were almost no control under the government. So it also created some kind of alienating potential. So th that model was beside Leviathan. So we have taming Leviathan, cooperating with him, and trying to live uh, freely, 
uh, as far as it's possible beside of Leviathan. So these are three models, three, uh, two main and one smaller. And this, that, that part was more theoretical, well, 100% it was theoretical. And now I'll tell you some, uh, some quick facts and some my remarks about how all of that works in Poland, in nowadays Poland. Uh, because theory is one thing, but implementation of that is the next one. So we do have in Poland more than 100,000 of associations and uh, about 20,000 of foundations. So that's a, this is a lot of. I will tell you that formally in Poland we have 38.2 millions of citizens. Practically, we do have something about 36 because about 2 million of Poles now works in, um, for most of the time, Ireland, Germany, and UK. We will see how it will work out after Brexit because we don't know now how it will work. Uh, beside that, we do have about one million of Ukrainians now. So Ukrainians now are the biggest minority in Poland, but they are not very engaged into civic society because of the well, obvious fact these people came there for work. They are interested in um, over hours, not in any kind of discussions. Um, so uh, I think that if we're talking about uh, the size of our society, and the number of our citizens, these numbers are, are big, are huge. Uh, fact is that uh, this, is just a, this is just a number. For most of the time, our civil society isn't very strong as a, on an institutional level. Uh, many of these associations work only at, well, locally, 37%. Uh, many of them uh, are interested only in sports. All, um, all sport clubs in Poland, almost all, not the biggest one, are associations. And uh, even, I think that you have it in, in USA too, we have um, voluntarily, uh, well, firefighters who are volunteers. So in Poland there are associations too. And in every gmina, which is something like a parish here, we do have one team of them. So. That makes, that makes a number. Um, 20,000 foundations was the difference in Poland. Uh, in Poland, foundation would be something like you have, the, you have foundations too. And there is a well, tax uh, uh, that you can get tax revenue from, from paying that kind of money. So this is, this is something like that. Uh, in Poland, the, the main difference is that foundations are less democratical because you have a board and for most of the time they're working more like a company and uh, associations works more like a political party because they have members. You need to have at least, a few years ago it was 15, now you need, I think that's seven or 10 members to get an association to, to, to start to work in it. And 8,500 uh, 8, uh, 8, um, of associations plus foundations are called public good status. So you can uh, give 1% of your income tax uh, to subsidize them. That's, uh, but uh, actually we, my foundation don't have it. Uh, but it works only for a very, very big foundations. And mine is just medium, at least now. Only 20% of our foundations have full-time paid staff, uh, really. Uh, for most of the time we are just volunteers. And uh, well, uh, once I've been into Mises Institute in Alabama, uh, they are quite, well, let's say small think tank in American scale, but you could, and I'm absolutely sure of that, put all of Polish libertarians, classical liberals, republicans, and conservative institutes and think tanks 
into the building and you still would get about two or three rooms empty. Uh, and this is the scale, this is the scale. You are just, well, in America everything is bigger, right? Bigger hamburgers, bigger cars. Alaska is five times bigger than Poland is. Um, and you have bigger think tanks. We don't have uh, them as big. And that's, uh, I think that's obvious. Uh, for most of the time people working for free because they believe in that ideas that uh, the organizations try to stress to the society. And the budget, well, $6,750. This is a smaller gift in USA, a smaller gift, but in Poland, half of organizations have that kind of budget for a year. This is a small budget, really small. Uh, I am a bit lucky because our budget is much bigger, but for most of the time we have, and this is very Polish, lots of associations, but not very rich. So they are not very concentrated. It is somehow re uh, related to our kind of, of business. For most of the time, Polish GDP uh, is uh, produced by very small companies, sometimes even smaller than nine or 10 workers. We have lots of family business, but we don't have big national corporations. If we have them, they are controlled by the state and for most of the time connected with such um, business like well, fuel, energy, um, copper, yeah. So this is, this, this is what, what, what in Poland we, we have on our stock exchange. And uh, most uh, companies are small, the same is in third sector. So this is somehow similar. And uh, which is that this is now important for me to, to use two parts of my lecture, so the more practical and that more theoretical is that 60% of organizations uh, are using public grants from local government. Uh, if we would add these kind of organizations that are using um, grants from European Union, grants from state, uh, our state, from its agendas, and from Liechtenstein and Norway, because these guys have so many money, uh, they need to do something with that. So they are from time to time sponsoring our civil society. Uh, that would be probably will go from 60 to, in my opinion, maybe even 80. So almost all organizations are somehow addicted to state money. This or that state. And main areas activity is sport, education and culture. And uh, these are the, the, the three biggest ones. If you will add that, you will see that other kinds of activities aren't very popular in Poland if we're talking about uh, civic society. And now some key issues of Polish NGO sector. I will start from the last one because uh, now I think that this is the most important. So that we don't have revolving door. What I really like here in, in your way of thinking about civil society and uh, practical implementations of uh, uh, the idea that we should have organizations and they, they should be working with us is the fact that you can start your career in third sector, in think tank, let's say, then you can become a member of your parliament or at least an advisor, then you can go somewhere else, then you can be a fundraiser and you are always somewhere, maybe, maybe you will go to media one day. In Poland we don't have it and I think that I know why it why it's works like that. Well, our political parties just don't know what to do with third sector. They just don't know what to do. For most of the time we are more like a a problem for them than a kind of um, 
support. I really believe in uh, division of labor. Unfortunately, I don't have uh, my favorite banknote from Great Britain with Adam Smith and the, 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 the picture with about division of labor in pin manufacturing. But the same goes in politics, I think. So you need guys who, if you, well, let's say that you all know Troy, right? Um, um, you have Hector, right? Uh, but someone need to, well, armor him. He need to have some good stuff because, well, he won't be fighting with almost a god without a spear, right? Germans are quite strong in way of thinking about the third sector. Every party that is in Bundestag do have its own think tank. And that's why Germans are very good in European politics. We have, they have lots of, lots of intellectual ammunition. They have analysis, they have experts for, from almost every issue. And in Poland, it just, it just doesn't work like that. Why it works like, uh, in, in that degenerated way? I think that the, the fact came from, uh, well, of course, uh, short time that we, uh, that we do have um, civil society, democracy, uh, rule of law. Uh, we have it only since 1989, so it's, it's not so long time ago that we were organized in a totally different model. And we really can feel it. So this is the first thing. But next one is that Polish parties are organized in a very, well, tribal way, actually, tribal way. So we have, well, warlords uh, who are uninterested in dividing the the power, because they believe that they will lose it. Well, actually, a house of cards in Poland is more like a comedy than a drama, because we are operating much worse the, than it, it is in, in that movie, in that story, in that TV show. Uh, so this is, in my opinion, why this is why it doesn't work. Uh, people aren't, aren't interested in cooperation. Well, for most of the politicians in Poland, when, you, when we have a third sector, uh, it means that this is something like a um, pool that we can take some activists from it and make politicians from them. So this is one idea. Next is, uh, uh, maybe this is kind of competition for us. That's why we don't have revolving door. And that's why we have so weak public policies, because we don't have experts. These people don't know how to work with experts. And uh, uh, I will tell you one, one story more, because in Poland, we, of course, have a, a, a government, but it works a little bit different way than here in USA, because we've got a prime minister, more like in UK. And he have ministers, for most of the time, they are just giving, well, a direct where we should go, right? And vice ministers are the, well, mules that can drive the policy from here to there. And they are getting for a month for about $1,300. Any one of you would like to work for $1,300, $400 sometimes um, as a vice minister of, let's say, uh, public education or vice minister of, um, of healthcare. Hey, this is, that work needs to be, well, done by, let's say, well, great experts, right? The, uh, mm, this is work almost 24 for 7 and these people are, aren't very good paid. So this is one thing and also no one from third sector isn't supporting them or almost no one, almost no one. Because it's not like that, that for most of the, well, 
always people from government aren't interested in our help, any kind. Uh, some of them are, but only some of them. And I think that should be more of them. But next key issues are, of course, lots of small organizations, just as I said, lack of private funding. For most of the time, uh, Polish private, sorry, Polish NGOs works on public money. So they are not very, well, pro-citizenships, right? Um, strong role of public grants, short time existence, that's, that's obvious. And now, um, this is almost the, the, the last slide, now I will tell you, well, something like uh, final remarks about that. Um, because of the fact that we have different models, uh, there will be, of course, different approaches and different foundations, different think tanks, different associations, and some of them will be using, even if they won't know about that, will be using the first model, so classical liberal, some of them will be using Hegelian, uh, which is the most popular in Europe now, and some of them will be, well, at least try to uh, use the way of thinking that was done in past system, so the, the third model. Uh, European Union is very interested in um, implementation of so-called so -called Hegelian model. Why? Because it will give them power over the uh, public sector, sorry, uh, NGOs and institutions. And that's obvious. In Poland we have a saying that um, the guy who paid for a party can choose a music that will be played. And this is how European Union works. If they will give you a grant, you need to provide not only what you want to do with this money, but uh, it needs to be done in well politically correct way, uh, with no harm to this agenda, that agenda, and, and so on. And Polish state, I think, that tries to do the same, because, and this is something new in Poland, we're going to have uh, National Center for Development of Civil Society. So we already knew from that the title of the organization that that will be a well, government's agenda uh, that uh, they will use a Hegelian model in a full scale from now. Why? Because they want to control the third sector, which is obvious, and they want to well choose the music because they will going to, to, to pay the money for the party. And this is, of course, totally not in the way that I would like to have it organized. If you are a libertarian, well, saying that National Center for Development of Civic Society is just a contradiction. It's just a contradiction. It works in that so-called Hegelian model, but it's a contradiction in my model, in classical liberal model. This is definitely a contradiction. Uh, but uh, dissidents' model will be used as a nice brand, and already it is used as a as a nice brand because of the fact of solidarity, the fact of legend of uh, of Václav Havel and other intellectuals from my part of the world. Uh, so it will be nicely wrapped up with that model. Uh, what about organizations from classical liberal model? There is only few of them, at least now in Poland. Most of our organizations are strongly addicted to public money from European Union or from Polish government or, or even both. And so where is the, the real crossroad? Because I don't believe that real crossroad for Polish civil society is in the fact that we have competitive models, competitive models of civil society. Uh, they are quite old, both of them, uh, both of the two of, of the main one. Uh, so this is not a real crossroad because it was always like that. And especially in Europe, 
the real crossroad will be uh, that some of the organizations from that time to the future will start to be more concentrated on money from European Union, and some of them will be more concentrated on money from our government. I believe, but this is only a hypothesis, that the number of organizations that will be able and eligible to get money both from European Union or their agendas or from Polish state or its agendas will be going down. So that will be a crossroad. There will be two main agendas inside of one model. One will be more, of course, uh, Brussels-oriented. Second one will be, in my opinion, for at least this, this term, next term, and maybe even third term, more oriented on the way that law and justice or our ruling party uh, see the world. Do I like any of that kind of thinking? No, because I'm from absolutely different model. Uh, so what will going to happen with such guys like I? Well, probably nothing special. Uh, well, business as usual. Uh, because my organization, well, we just don't need to get public money. And I'm really proud of myself and from my old team that we don't need to, to do it. That was one of the first remarks that we've done uh, five years ago when together with uh, president of that foundation and its founder, so Jacek Spendel, uh, we've been thinking about how to organize that. So we started from the remark that we don't want to be addicted from public money. Why? Uh, well, although we are paying taxes, right? So we should have an access to, the, to that money. But the fact is, uh, we do, we, what we want to do is to well, make our own agenda, not someone else. We want to have our own music on our own party, not someone else's music on our own party, because that won't be our party anymore. And uh, at least after five years, we are sustainable. We can, uh, uh, we can operate only for private money. Uh, we don't need uh, states' money or European Union money. And some of our friends from different organizations in Poland uh, see us as a kind of well, unicorns, almost unicorns, because for them this is so strange. Hey, these monies are so easy to get. Why you, you, why you are not doing that? But the fact is, yes, they are easy. These are big money, they're big, bigger than uh, Polish uh, private donors can give, definitely. Uh, but also, they are highly addictable. Uh, so uh, I don't want to, 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 to get up on the morning for on a one day and realize that this is not my foundation anymore. This is someone from Brussels Foundation. And I am just, uh, I am just his waiter who works for him. I don't want such a situation because I'm a libertarian, of course. Uh, so this is, this is probably what we're going on with that kind of organization that I'm representing here, so more a classical liberal approach. There's not too many of us, but we'll see what we can do. Uh, and as a, as a last remark, I will tell you, uh, well, my way of thinking about social change. It's quite Hayekian. I don't believe that I can do anything now, today. It's impossible. Today, we're done 20 years ago, and I had nothing to say. 20 years ago because I was waiting for Transformers, the movie, or something like that. Um, but I want to have something to say 20 years from now to the future. That's why my organization works mostly on educational projects. We are looking for new leaders, future leaders, who will be good in academia, who will be good in, in politics, in media. We want to produce revolving door.
but at least from now, um, at least now we just don't have, we are just not strong enough, but we still believe that, well, politics and uh, all that stuff that is going on now in our parliament, well, we just have, probably we can do nothing with that. Uh, maybe in the future someone else will do that. And I think that's all. So if you have any questions, I would be really delighted to, to answer. Thank you. Po pierwsze, pięknie panu dziękuję za obecność i za pytanie. And now about your answer, uh, my answer for your question. Uh, well, what I really believe in is well alliance. Um, I can operate or cooperate with an organization that is uh, even in 100% founded by a state or by a government or by a well, um, public money. Uh, because what I'm interested in is uh, changing the shape of intellectual world. So that's, that's my opinion. If they can work with me, and for them this is not a problem that my opinions are quite pro-libertarian, a, a libertarian, well actually I am a libertarian so it's obvious, uh, I can do it with them. Uh, because I know that in Poland if I will be closed for allies, I will become almost alone with only a few other organizations that are like me. Uh, of course, uh, and this is the, the, the next part of my answer, um, it all came from the fact how much I can get from it, but not of course in a material world, but more in a, uh, the ability to, to, to change the world of ideas. Uh, so it will be for, for all the time a kind of compromise for all of time a kind of compromise and I just don't have a one good answer about all the possible compromises these are every each one of them is a separate case study so it just depends uh, but already in the future we had some cooperation with as a freedom and entrepreneurship foundation with organizations that were very exotical for us uh, I, I will give you an example uh, our first partner for one of our projects five years ago was a Polish branch of Tradition Freedom Property. So uh, very uh, consequent Roman Catholics, very consequent. But still, they are for free market. They are not an uncaps, of course, and they are not the libertarians. They are conservatives who believe in free market. They are good partners for me in that part, in that part. So that's fine. Uh, I, 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 can, I can tell you also that many more left-oriented Polish third, third sector organizations are very interested in being watchdogs. Uh, I never cooperated with them, but I can't say that uh, it won't change in the future. It's possible, so it is always well, a kind of compromise and we will just see. Yes, sir. Yes. 
my question really relates to that. When you look at the situation that's going on, you were talking about the, 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 the dollar revolution about the Pavel and how that spilled over into Poland. The thought at the time, the dissident point of view, was they would look at the Germans sort of skeptically because they were embracing American, or not American, but uh, capitalism in general. Here's my question. Looking at central banking right now, the way things are, do you think that there, I'll make a statement and then see what you think of it. I think there's a strong possibility that we're headed towards a very serious, uh, I'll stop short of the word collapse, but I think it's gonna affect the entire world. If that were to happen, would it change? When you went through the three models, I understand what you're saying from a liberal perspective. Do you think that would open up a window? Because typically in history, there's been a window right after there's been a major shift. Do you think there's any possibility of a shift like that sometime soon? And if there were, would you try and take advantage of it? Mm -hmm. This is a smart question. Thank you for that. And uh, I will tell you that my, I'm not an economist, but when I'm thinking about economics, for most of the time I'm thinking with the ways uh, provided to me by Austrian School of Economics. So uh, your approach is quite similar to mine. Uh, yes, it is possible to have a, a bigger, not that, not that collapse that we had a few years ago, but a bigger collapse. Well, thanks to, I, I will tell you a, a short story. Uh, thanks to the, the crisis that you had here in, in USA, I get a job in Poland. Uh, because people were started to be interested more and more and more about banks and about economics, so I became a journalist and I was writing about economics. That was during my master's. Uh, but yeah, it is of course uh, always possible that when you have almost nothing on the table, you can give a, another card that wasn't on the table before, uh, before the wind blows all of them. Um, but this is a way of thinking uh, that when the situation will be worse there, it will be also better. It is possible that it will be like that, but for most of the time I'm thinking in that paradigm that we do have now. Uh, they, there is just too many enigmas during the changing of paradigm that, well, they, 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 they can't give me a, uh, anything like being sure that my agenda will be the first one. What I can do is, uh, well, just to try to, to put it on the table, but I don't know what will happen with, in that days. Uh, actually, uh, that kind of thinking worked in Poland. We lost our independency at the end of 18th century. Then we had, well, useful and very stupid uh, way of thinking about politics, which were strongly romantic. So we've believed that uh, thanks to the, 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 the uprisings, we're going to have our state, but that it just doesn't work when we are fighting with that day superpowers and you have almost no army, it can't work. Sorry, it just can't work. And after that, after January uprising, people in Poland started to be smart. So they believed that, okay, now we can do nothing, but maybe there is some kind of shift in the future and we can use it. So uh, they started to organize the first Polish civil society uh, in modern times because we had one 
uh, during our First Republic, but that was in 17th century, 16th, 17th century. And uh, they knew that now we can do just nothing, but maybe, this is just like you said, there will be a huge crisis and we are going to have our independence one more time. And it was, that was First World War, that we won, but without having a state. But if you will see Treaty of Versailles, you will see that Polish troops are uh, recognized as veterans, of on-town veterans. That's right. Uh, but we had very strong civil society back in those days. So who knows? I don't know. Probably I will be. Uh, probably it won't happen during my life. So, yes, sir. Um, I'd like to uh, follow up on your comment about the period known as organic work in Poland following the January uprising. One of the aspects of that period was the establishment of credit unions, especially in uh, Poznania, the uh, Prussian-German district, uh, the area of Poland taken by Prussian-German. Uh, in order to fight the effort of German settlers to buy Polish land. These credit unions defended, um, kept Polish property in Polish hands. Some critics of the European Union, especially those who look at the media and see such a large German ownership of the Polish media, wonder whether or not a revival of credit unions or something like them might be necessary in Poland in order to prevent the erosion of more Polish uh, a property perceived as Polish patrimony from being owned by the European Union partners, no, notably Germany. Mm -hmm. Do you, so what is the present status of credit unions in Poland? The gentleman who mentioned that uh, the, the high leverage situation of European central banks could lead to a collapse, which could be creative destruction. Would credit unions then be able to pick up some of the slack? No. No, because uh, this is a great question, uh, because it can give me it can give me an opportunity to talk a little bit about history, but also about now, nowadays. We had such kind of credit unions also in Galicia, so an Austrian part of, of, of Poland, and they were uh, strongly inspired by um, Sparkasse and also by Raiffeisen Bank from Austria, so from, from that days, because now it's just a bank. Uh, uh, we, have, we have credit unions in Poland, but they are managed in a very bad way, uh, most of the uh, boards are politically uh, chosen and came from Law and Justice Party. Uh, politically chosen by whom? By the state or? By the, yeah, by the nowadays government. By the and unfortunately, some of them are already bankrupt. Yeah, so uh, it is, well, that kind of, uh, uh, of thinking well, looks very good if we're talking about, well, kind of political propaganda. Yeah, but in a on a practical level, most of these uh, credit unions are just, well, very, very weak organizationally. Uh, we as a taxpayers in Poland already paid lots of money to save them. And what they are giving to us? Almost nothing. Uh, they are giving something to the well, ruling party, right? So, so it works like that, unfortunately. Well, the whole structure could be more effective but like it is in, in Poland with uh, bigger ownership, for most of the time, it is uh, somehow connected to the state. If we are talking about, po about OECD states, we are the country that, from OECD group that have the, the biggest amount of uh, public, oh, sorry, government ownership. And you will see it also in, in that, uh, that credit unions, unfortunately. Unfortunately, because they can be useful 
um, also in the in the ways that you stressed already. Yes, lady. I think that uh, at least at the, uh, uh, I, I can agree with you on a part of your, uh, of your question. Mm, in Poland, yes, liberals means a little bit different thing than here. In Poland and in whole Europe, uh, liberals are more like, uh, like conservatives here. It's strange. Uh, and about difference and about difference between liberalism and libertarianism, uh, in my opinion, it works like that. Uh, there are many approaches inside liberalism, and more, more, well, they are absolutely different. Well, uh, John Rawls was a liberal, Friedrich August von Hayek was a liberal too, Robert Nozick was a liberal, and even Ayn Rand was a liberal, but of course they're calling that objectivism, but this is also a part of liberalism. Um, in Poland, Many liberals, or almost all of them, are social liberals, some somehow related to John Rawls' ideas, and this is the, the main group. But the smaller group is called themselves classical liberals. And the, the, that's why, and from classical liberalism to libertarianism, there is not so big road from one stand to second one. So this is why I believe that some, at least some libertarians, can operate with the using of, of the model that was done not by the libertarians, but by the classical liberals. 
uh, from the 18th century and 17th century. Uh, so this is this is my opinion about that. Well, it just came from the fact that uh, um, well, words have different meanings in different countries, and some people are trying to uh, well um, make their own agenda by the using of words that someone else provided, and it came all of that. And what about regulations? Uh, well, I am a strong proponent of as far as it's possible, the regulated markets, as far as it's possible. But I do not have any, um, any strong intellectual background behind my, my view or my stand, because I'm not an economist. I'm a political philosopher. So my job in um, organization of labor, of division of, of labor in intellectual movement is a bit different. But I can say you that uh, I, I remember the days uh, when our markets were far more regulated than they are now, and that was in the 80s. I know how it looked like in my country. Uh, I, s I remember the days when I was just standing in alliance with my mother to buy a bread. That was in the 80s. Uh, and we had re absolutely regulated market. It was working great on a paper, but it absolutely doesn't work in, in real life. And our that day's government, which was actually a, well, a military junta, uh, with General Jaruzelski as a leader, uh, believed that it all came from the fact that people are stealing uh, bread from the, from the factories and, and stealing goods from the factories. So what we need to do, we don't need to give any deregulation of politics. We need to put the army into the factories to see if anyone is stealing anything. So this is my, but this is just a personal story. This is an anecdote. This is not an, uh, uh, um, this is not a real uh, argument in, the, in that struggle, uh, but I believe that um, maybe one day there will be uh, standing here a guy who will be far more better than I am from economics and will be able to just get into the, uh, into the well, actual data because I'm unable to do that. This is not my part of job. Yes. Can you tell me, please, in which countries of Balkans states you've been working? Yeah, uh, Bulgaria, Romania, Moldova, Serbia, Bosnia, Ukraine, Hungary. Sorry, it was not Poland. I think I'm missing one. Mm -hmm. 
Well, for, for one year I was studying uh, cultural studies, uh, from Balkan studies actually, so I, I even do know some Croatian. Uh, well, Bul Bulgaria is in a little bit, yeah, this is a different, different country. Mm, Romania would be a little bit better, but only 10% of Romania lies in Balkan Peninsula. Uh, for Bosnia, yeah, I know that they have, they have well, okay, so back to the point. Uh, I think that you're right, we have, that, we have the same in Poland, uh, like they have, because of the quite similar history. Not only the Soviet time history, but also 19th century history. Because they've been occupied by even worse uh, empire, which was Ottoman Empire. And uh, they even, so that, that was something even more terrible than Russia, that we had. Because Austro-Hungary wasn't so bad, believe me, I'm from Krakow, so I needed to say that. Uh, it wasn't so bad. Uh, the fact is uh, that what can help us now in making people more active somehow is, uh, is technology and internet. Uh, my foundation, and I know from my friends from different countries, because I do have libertarian friends in, in Serbia, uh, in Croatia and in Hungary. So I, I know what they're going on there. Uh, they are able to raise money thanks to the internet and thanks to uh, fundraising platforms. It is probably called like that. Um, and I know that it is like Kickstarter. So we have a smaller Kickstarters in our countries. In Poland it is just called Polak Potrafi, which means uh, Paul can do. Paul can do. And people aren't very um, interested in giving bigger money in Poland. But they are quite interested in giving you, I don't know, five dollars, ten dollars, maybe twenty. That's these are small amounts, but if you add all of them, you can do some quite good projects. So that really helps us. And uh, back to the point about the, the, the mentality and possibility of swifting it, of changing it, sorry, I think that we just need to wait. Maybe this is a, a, a tough answer because no one likes to wait. This is, it looks like a next line in, in, in Soviet style economics, I know that. Uh, but uh, it's really hard in Poland to activate people who are older than 40, who are older than 50, uh, because they just, well, they were working in a different uh, scale, in a bit different world. Uh, in Poland it's easy to get money for a, um, private uh, projects when they are uh, a church projects. It's very easy, because church in Poland, Roman Catholic Church of course, can get a lot of money. And people really trust them. What's the next difference between Poland and other, other states of European Union? All of them, even Bulgaria. Uh, we are the country where people don't trust to each other. Um, we are the leader of untrustness. There's no other country in, in European Union like we are. So people just don't believe you that if they will pay, pay you, let's say, $10, you will provide a project that should be not today or tomorrow, but a year from now. It's just too different for, to, to, to them. So. But I will tell you that, I, in my opinion, we need to wait. So, I mean, would you say that there are certain things to even facilitate that public trust? Because whether you're fundraising online or doing community projects, trust is needed to be able to push any um, private funding sources. So are you, are you pairing that uh, the public trust and the mentality are kind of hand in hand? 
or could organizations do more kind of PR to be able to promote their good projects to help facilitate that public trust? Well, both answers, in my opinion, are good. Uh, because they are not, uh, this is not a competition between those, those possible answers that you add. Of course, every, after every uh, uh, good project that we will end, uh, our donors see that, hey, that was a good job, so my money wasn't wasted. So that's fine. I can tell about that to my friend and maybe we're going to have two donors. So this is one thing. Uh, but also, yeah, it's, it's just harder to do it in, uh, in, in, in post-Soviet era, well, in Poland at least. I know that guys from Czech Republic are performing better than us, but it also came from the fact that the society were always, was, sorry, was always more based in, in the cities. And I think that here Benjamin Barber is right. You have different kind of social capital when people are living in the cities because they, this is a bound capital. And uh, because of the, of the structure of, of society that lives in the cities, people are, they just need to, from time to time, at least from time to time, to trust to a guy that they don't know. On the villages, and most of Polish society came from villages, as a nobles or, or as a peasants, because we never had very strong guys from cities, it works in a different way. Uh, so you trust only to the people that you know, especially to your own family. Two different models. Yes, sir. I wanted to uh, follow up on the uh, lady's comment about liberalism. And it, it is a confusing term, but if we go back to the origins, when did it come into the language? It came into the language in the 1820s in Spain. Yes. Los Liberales. And the Los Liberales were Hidalgos, Spanish Schlachter, people who owned property and who wanted to govern the country based on gentlemanly debate. But they also wanted to keep the church out of politics. And they were, for the most part, free, free thinkers. And just about at the same time, in France, the Abbe Lamennais established the groundwork for Christian democracy. So my question is, why is it that uh, Poland doesn't have a Christian Democrat party? For, for instance, the way Germany has it. Mm -hmm. you know, in the north, it's a, yes. largely a confessional party, Calvinists and Lutherans. In the south, it's Roman Catholic. Yes, uh, that's right. Uh, they have a, this is a, something like both party systems, CDU, CSU. Uh, but I will tell you why we don't have in Poland a Christian Democratic Party, in my opinion, because that will be more like an opinion. I think that it came, of course, from the history and from the fact that we never had a competition between state and a church in 19th century for obvious reason that we didn't have a state. We didn't have a state, so there were no competition between state and a church. For most of the time, as far as I know, uh, but please correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the uh, Christian democratic parties of Western Europe uh, were somehow interested in, let's say, protecting church against the state that was starting to be more and more secular, more and more bureaucratic, and the uh, church was something like, well, uh, an old structure, like uh, in uh, Fernand Brodel writing. So uh, a structure of longer living. I don't know how to say it in English, sorry. Long duration. That's Why right, you thank you, that's right. But we didn't have that problem in Poland because we didn't have our own state. There were no Poland in 19th century. There were some, mm, addicted to central powers, 
well, three of them to our, uh, our neighbors, uh, well, local governments, because at least in Galicia, Poles had a lot of ways and possibilities to make a career in, in, uh, in administration. We, we even had a, a ministry, minister of uh, treasury who was a classical liberal, and we had a prime ministers, but that was all fine uh, in Austria-Hungary, but we didn't have our own state. And I think that uh, what we had, what, what, sorry, what was quite similar to Christian democratic agenda in Poland was Peasants Party. We still have them. It is called Polskie Stronnictwo Ludowe, which means something like Polish Association of Peasants, something like that. And uh, the ideas and agenda were quite similar in many ways to Christian Democrats from West, but without being Christian Democrats, without that main drive, which was a competition between a state and a, and a church. We, well, we never had culture camp, right? Uh, uh, and uh, I know that stronger, even today, Christian Democratic parties are in the countries where well, state was just uh, at the beginning of 18th sorry, 19th century very weak, but at the end very strong. Like Netherlands, Denmark, Germa Germany, Austria. I think that this is this is where well from it came. Yes, sir. segments of civil society that can be pointed to with pride uh, and shown to Belarus and Ukraine? Well, if we are talking about showing anything from civil society to Belarus or, or Ukraine, from Poland that will be, all be always a success story. But if we want to compare ourselves to, let's say, Lithuania uh, or Czech Republic, it not always will be a success story uh, because of the fact that uh, well, Ukraine and Belarus are a bit different level than we are, unfortunately for them. Yeah. Uh, we've started from the same level as Ukraine was, at least in material ways, uh, but now the, that's sad. Uh, uh, b but there, is, there are some, some elements of civic society in Poland that can be showed as an example of good job, uh, even for the people who civic societies are stronger than our. One is charity. We definitely have a very good charity. Uh, maybe because of the fact that Polish uh, healthcare will, it's not operating very well. So people from time to time tries to do their own job and takes the job in their own hands. So I think that, that, that really works. We have lots of hospitals that were provided lots of stuff by the uh, charitable organization, both uh, secular and uh, church owned. So this is something that we can show that this is very, that, 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 that just good and really works. Uh, but if I would like to, sorry, but if I should say anything about, let's say our educational projects or uh, I don't know, culture or anything like that, no, it's, it's not very good idea to compare our civil society with Western because we're not performing too well. We are performing just fine. It's better than it is in East, but still worse than, than it is in West. When it will change and if there will be any kind of decline, 
I believe that it is possibility for, unfortunately, a decline because of the fact of bigger and bigger addiction to public money. Because these people won't be doing uh, civil society agenda. They will be doing governmental agenda or European Union agenda. And that's, in my opinion, have nothing to do with uh, being, a, I don't know, a, a member of civil society. But this is my opinion. If you will use the next model, it will be fine. Yes, sir. Uh, just a quick question on comparing Poland with uh, a country in Western Europe, France. France uh, passed an association law, not unconnected with what we were talking about, the conflict of church versus state in 1901. And the purpose of that association law was to uh, reverse the French Revolution law, Le Chapelier, which prohibited 10 people from meeting, which prohibited more than 10 people from meeting without a policeman present. So after the 1901 association law was passed, associations could apply for subsidies from the French state, and many of them did. But those associations, many who uh, studied the problem and looked at it, um, as long ago as Stanley Hoffman, who uh, wrote a book called The Republican Synthesis on how the different components of French society fit together to make the republic that uh, prevailed from uh, uh, 1879 until uh, the, uh, the advent of Vichy, 1940, that associations in France, even though they were subsidized by the state, were very brittle, and they were largely looked upon as illegitimate because they were placing something, an association between the citizen and the state. Is that, does that mentality exist in Poland at all? Are associations considered to be legitimate? For instance, if uh, somebody who's a member of a citizen's uh, um, entrepreneurial association in, uh, shall we say, Gdansk, mm -hmm. if he gets up at a public meeting in Gdansk, uh, if he gets up at a public meeting in Gdansk, I, no, I don't want to use Gdansk, and I can't think of a big municipality a big city whose president is a leftist. But if a member of an entrepreneurial association got up at a public meeting in a city controlled by a left-wing government, would that association be taken, would that organization be taken seriously? Would it be considered legitimate? Or would it just be considered to be something um, that could be dismissed as the work of cranks or opportunists or thieves, perhaps? Mm -hmm. One thing that somehow will work uh, for that organization, for that thing that or NGO, will be the fact that we have some similarity to France. We are a very, very centralized country. The two, the, the two the most centralized countries in Europe is France and Poland. But what is the France advantage is the fact that they have quite good civil service with traditions. We don't have it. And that's why Polish bureaucracy is more like bureaucracy, less like civil servants. Uh, um, but uh, because of the fact that law and decision-making is so centralized, uh, there is just not too many things to do on, uh, on the city level. And well, uh, the, uh, uh, that president will be operating with them or will be not, but probably it won't be so uh, important for that organization. Really, I know that it maybe sounds a bit strange, but it will be like that. So. This is an advantage in disadvantage, actually, because I really would like to have more decentralized uh, country. I would like to have more competition between laws 
in different cities. Now we don't have it. For most of the time we don't have it. The only real competition between cities is uh, not in the fact what kind of laws do they have, but in the fact uh, how fast the bureaucracy can work. Because if you want to, to start a company, there are better and worse places in Poland to do that. But it doesn't come from the fact of the different of, of taxes. Here you have that you have New Hampshire in one, uh, from one part and you have Rhode Island. New Hampshire is probably the best place to, to run a business. Rhode Island is the worst one, probably, because I'm not an American expert. So, so it's, it's like that. Uh, I know really different stories about uh, how um, members of Polish civil society, members of Polish NGOs were working together or they were just non-working because it was impossible with different presidents, with different uh, uh, mayors and different people, different authorities of our local governments. Um, for most of the time, and this is probably Polish uh, speciality, uh, many politicians on local scale tend to use words and names um, that they are from NGOs. They are not. They are not. So before every election, every local election, you're going to have in Poland lots of small committees. So let's say citizens for Poznań or citizens for Gdańsk or anything like that because this is, I'm just taking it from my head, this is not a real example of anything. Uh, but they are real politics, they are not from any kind of NGO, this is not an NGO, this is not a real civil, uh, civil list, this is political list. And this is how it works, unfortunately. Um, so I would say uh, it depends uh, and I know that this is not probably the best answer that you, you've been looking for. Uh, for most of the time, it will depend on the, on, on the uh, sorry, for most of the time we're going to have an advantage and disadvantage. And that kind of making more struggle to people from NGOs in cities, that won't be very, very big threat because mayors don't have too much to say. But still something, to be honest. So thank you for all of those questions and thank you for your time. <laughs>